Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caton joins us to continue our walk through the book of James. As we reach James chapter 4, we're going to learn the difference between our plan and God's plan, and how we need to live moving forward. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. So uh, anyway, hey, we're back in James, um, and go to, go to James chapter 4. And we have been talking over the last couple of weeks about doing the right thing the right way. And I'm fired up again just to talk about, uh, yeah, man, really, as we look to tomorrow, and for you, many, as you look to today, uh, in your life, in your marriage, in your career, how should we look forward uh, to be who God wants us to be? And over the last couple of weeks, if you've missed them, you can go find them on the podcast. We started talking in this series, Doing the Right Work um, the Right Way. We looked at God's got stuff for us to do. I've got some growing up that I need to do. I've got some stuff I need to learn. Uh, Justin Hillhouse taught a couple of amazing lessons. Uh, I've got people who aren't like me that I don't like that I've got to deal with. Uh, I've got some good deeds that I want to do. Uh, I need to learn to tame my tongue. How many of you have done pretty well since then? How many of you have struggled, right, with this? Our tongue, it's just amazing. Uh, as, as James said, it's got deadly poison in it all the time. Then we talked about fighting and quarreling. And so today we come to James chapter 4, and I want to talk to us about God's plan or my plan. You know, when I think about journeying forward, uh, how am I going to live? And really, what is life really all about? If you look at James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, uh, here's what it says. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, here's what it says. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make some money. He says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? Why would you say that? What is your life? Now, just listen to that phrase. What is your life? All right. You're making all these plans. What is your life? He says, you are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He says, instead, here's what we ought to say. If it is the Lord's will, we live and do this or that. As it is, instead, you boast and you're arrogant, you have arrogant schemes. All such boasting ultimately ends up being evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do that, it is sin for them. Man, as you leave here today, guys, what is a good thing that you know you need to do? What is something that you know you need to do? Is it a conversation? Is it to be kind to somebody? Is it to love someone? Is it to um, reconcile with someone? What is the good that you need to do? Because here's the reality. If you don't do it, James, the brother of Jesus, little brother of Jesus, said it's sin. And here's, here's what we also know, just in the way we are going to break this huddle here in a few minutes uh, and go our separate ways. There are certain things that you need to do that are good that I don't. Because I'm not in that office, I'm not in that relationship, I'm not in that conversation, I'm not in that quarrel, I'm not in that strife, right? And I think that's why James says, listen, we all have our own journey to make. We all have some place to go. And if there is good that we know we ought to do and we choose not to do it, for them it is sin. And so as you leave here today, say, man, I am going to do everything I can to do the good that God is calling me to do in my space, in my place, on my path, and in my way. But go back to that phrase. He goes, what is life? I got caught up with that, what is life? And so I just Googled. I said, you know, what is life? 
Uh, let me give you a couple of people's answers. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen, that uh, Danish author, here's what he says. Life is a fairy tale written by God's finger. What is life? He says, life is a fairy tale that is written by God's finger. That's not bad, right? Uh, here's another one, Robert Browning. Have any, anybody ever heard of Robert Browning? Uh, English poet. He says, life is probation. Now that, that, that kind of feels right. And the earth is not the goal, but it's our starting point. So it's almost as if when we are here as followers of Christ, this is our probation, this is our starting point, but ultimately this isn't our goal. There's something higher, there's something bigger. Uh, Thomas Carlyle, the British historian, Thomas Carlyle said this about life. What is life? He says, life is a little gleam of time between the two eternities. Life is a gleam of time between the two eternities. That's, that's kind of interesting that you think about eternity past, whenever God spoke everything into existence, when God existed, now life is this gleam of time, this little short space of time between the past, eternity past, and eternity future. And so we're sitting here in this moment, in this space, in what we call life, but the reality of it is it's just a gleam of time. It's almost as if the ray of the sunshine that as we look forward, man, that's ultimately life for the believer, is eternal life is more than just a gleam of time. Uh, William Shakespeare, surely we've heard of him. Uh, maybe this is one you deal with. He says, life is nothing more than a fairy tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Now, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a great life, but it sounds like one I've lived from time to time, right? I mean, life, listen to this, life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury signifying absolutely nothing. And so what is life? When you think about what is life, if I just said fill in the blank, what would you fill it in with? My life is, or life is, fill in the blank. What would you say? And, and James, the brother of Jesus, wants to answer that question for us and really tell us how we should live whatever life, whatever part, however long life is left for us. He says, here's how you should live. And now notice, as you go back, he says, some people live certain ways. He says there are a lot of people that live like atheists or practical atheists, or they at least don't acknowledge God. You say, where did you see that? Go back to verse, uh, uh, verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that and spend a year there and carry on business and just make money. He says, some people just live life like God doesn't matter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Here's where I'm going to go. Here's what I'm going to do. Everything's going to be fine. It doesn't have anything to do with whether God wants me to do this or not. And remember what what the psalmist said in Psalm 14 verse 1 he said the fool says in his heart there is no God the fool says in his heart there is no God guys let's don't be Christian fools let's don't be men who are fools who will come to church on Sunday or will come to Tuesday morning Bible study but then the rest of the day and the rest of the week we live like practical atheists as if I'm in control of everything and I control my own destiny, I control my own future. We make plans apart from God. And James says, don't be that way. Man, the psalmist says, a fool says that I can live my life my way and be happy and things are gonna turn out well. 
James says, man, don't live your life as a practical atheist. You say practical atheist because my guess is there's no one in this room that is an actual atheist. There might be one, and, and, and if you are, I'm glad you're here. I, I think there are more people maybe in this room that you live like an agnostic. You know, the difference between an atheist and an agnostic, atheist says there is no good, God. The psalmist says you're a fool. The, agno the agnostic just says, you know, I'm not sure if there's a God, right? I, I just struggle with understanding. I look around, I look at creation, look at the universe, and, and I think, man, you know, there's got to be something. There's got to be a higher power up there somewhere. So that's what an agnostic is, but it says, I'm just not sure. But as men of God, men of faith, who have looked at the evidence and come to the conclusion, man, there is a God and his son, Jesus Christ, was nailed to the cross, buried in the tomb, rose again the third day. When I come to that conclusion, I am a Christian, but I know a lot of Christians who live as practical atheists. When they wake up in the morning, they don't consult God. They don't say, hey, God, give me your wisdom, give me your will, direct me in your path, lead me to the right conversation, lead me to the right space and the place, and we just ignore that. Man, and, and as you think about, what does he say? Look at it in verse 13, James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, now listen you who say, what does a practical atheist look like? He says, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Man, that just means you're short-sighted. You're not looking for eternity in the future. You're just living in the moment. And so as you think about being short-sighted or a practical atheist, he tells us a lot. He says, they choose their own time. They think they can choose their own time. He says, you who say, today or tomorrow. In other words, you act like you control your time. At the end of the day, what do we know? Man, Scripture tells us that our days are numbered by God. But a practical atheist says, hey, today or tomorrow I'm going to do this. I don't need to consult God. I'm going to be fine. But then James says not only that, they choose their own location. Said so they'll go to this city or that. They choose their time. They say, hey, uh, today or tomorrow, as if I control my time, they choose their location. Well, I'll go to this city or that city, and I'll journey down. He didn't stop there. He says, they choose their own duration. I'll stay there a year. No regard for God. No regard for anything. I'm going to spend a year of my life there. And then he doesn't even stop there. He says, they choose their own enterprise. I'm going to carry on some business over there. So did you get that? There's no regard for God. Now, James is going to give us the answer how we do it. And the beautiful thing is you can still choose today and tomorrow. How many of you know that? You can still choose a city. You can still choose a business. You can still choose to carry on business. And notice this, they make money their goal. He says, and you say, I'm going to carry on business and make money. How many of you know making money is good? Uh, I don't know about you, but if I have a choice, just want you to know how spiritual your pastor is. Between making money and not making money, I'm making money. How many of you know that? I just want you, if y'all thought I was so spiritual, right, that, that, that if I had a choice between making money and not making money, that I would choose not making money, you will be sorely disappointed. I'm choosing making money every time. But here's what James is not saying. He's not saying it's not good to live in the moment. He's saying it is good to live in the moment. He's not saying it's not good to plan because it is good to plan. 
He's not saying it's not good to say I'm going to go to this city or that city. He's saying it is good to make a choice. He's not saying that making money or carrying on business or, or, or making plans are not good. What he is saying is if we do it without consulting God, we're probably going to miss God's ultimate will for us. I've done it. You've done it. Anybody ever gotten to the end of something that you look back and go, man, I kind of think God probably has something better planned for me? I, I have. That, man, I wish I would have prayed as much as the beginning when I started this thing as I prayed at the end when I'm begging God to put it back together. Am I the only dude that's ever prayed that prayer? Right? There have been a lot of times we get to the end of something and I say, God, I'm going to really need you to clean this mess up. And I, I do think, I, I, God's probably not the way I put him, but I, I think there are a lot of times God looks at me and says, you know, I wasn't even there when you made that mess. Why do you want me to come in and clean it up? Right? James is saying, listen, man, especially you, you guys that are working, you young guys, you, you guys that are in your middle age, that you're working, you're moving. Man, he is not saying don't plan. He says, man, focus, live in the moment, man, choose your place, choose your space, choose the office, choose to carry on business, choose to be wildly successful, but do it not as a practical atheist, but listen to this, as a practicing Christian. See, you can do those same things and go to those same cities, carry on the same business, be wildly successful and do it as a faithful Christian. And when you get to the end, then you and God can, metaphorically speaking, hug each other and say, God, thanks for blessing that. You are in it in the planning. You are in it in the success. You are in it all the way through. And guess what? When I went to that city, I was salt and light to the people I worked with. I was able to share my faith and point them in the right direction because it was all about God on the journey. And if you don't, Jesus told a story. Look at Luke chapter 12. We'll put it up on, on the screen. Many of you remember this story. Jesus was in a conversation with uh, his followers and his people uh, about money. And he says, and if we do what James, the brother of Jesus, tells us to do, uh, when he says, man, if you just waste your time and you focus all on me and live as a practical atheist, you look, live like this guy. And so Jesus is kind of telling them, talking to them about the importance of money. Here's what he said in Luke chapter 12. He says, then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. Then he said to them, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, notice how many times he says myself, myself, myself. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Guys, that's what we don't want to end up being. James, the brother of Jesus, is saying whatever you do, don't get to the end of your life and be a fool. Not just as it relates to salvation, but as it relates to the way you spend your moments. Golly, I want you to know as your pastor, there are some, I, I do foolish things. As a matter of fact, 
We enjoy doing some foolish things here at Cottonwood Creek. But I will tell you, how many of you know there's a big difference between doing some foolish things for fun and being a fool at the end of your life? Good Lord, I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and say I was a fool as it related to my family, as it related to my finances, as it related to my resources, as it relates to, man, the impact I can have on my community, my, uh, those I come into contact with. Man, just think. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, Will be your life will be demanded of you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it is with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich to god sobering thought guys do you realize that every one of us will come to that moment in our life where it's this very night this very night as you age, you probably think of it more and more, don't you? This very night? This very night? Man, I hope it's not. But if it is, would I be counted as a fool? Man, James, the brother of Jesus, says, men, we don't want to be fools when we get to the end of our life. If all of a sudden God gave you an hour to live... Would you need to spend that last hour apologizing for not doing the right thing? Or would you be able to just look people in the eye and say, man, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. James, the brother of Jesus, is just modeling what Jesus told that parable about that rich man. He goes, all he cared about is his own stuff. He says, man, I've done so well. And, you know, clearly he was a successful business person. He says, I've got so much stuff that I need to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Why? Because I want it for myself. And tonight, he says, God said, you fool, don't be that way. And I love what James says. He's just real honest. He says, some of you say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that. We'll carry on some business and we'll make some money. Those are not necessarily bad things unless you're living them for yourselves and you're not practicing your faith. Now just jump down. He says you can live a significant life without really understanding it. Notice verse 14. Back to James chapter 4, verse 14. He says, why do you not even know, why, why you don't even know, he says, don't you say today or tomorrow. He says, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? He says, you are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We understand that morning dew, that morning mist, right? Have you ever been, been in a place in a city or whatever you see it here from time to time? You have that morning fog and then by noon it's all burnt off. He goes, man, that's kind of like us. That's, that's kind of like us. Or, or perhaps this way, here's what the psalmist said. Uh, Psalm 102 verse 11, he says, My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like the grass. Now, that evening shadow... Hey, anybody ever been hunting? Is the deer hunting season? I, I love to sit out there in the field and you see that evening shadow. It, it just begins to walk across the field. And then what happens? It gets longer and longer and longer and longer. And then what happens? The shadow just goes away. Why? Because the sun sets. 
He says, at the end of the day, he says, our lives are like that, the psalmist says, is our shadow gets longer and longer and longer and longer and more significant, and then all of a sudden it just goes away. He says, man, we're like the grass that withers away. You say, pastor, this sounds pretty discouraging. No, 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 it's not, because James doesn't leave us that way. Look at verse 15. He says, instead of being that way, there's a better way. Instead of living your life like a practical atheist, let's live it like a practicing Christian. He says, here's how you do that. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. See, there's just one twist. Man, just to constantly wake up with the opportunity to say, God, you know, God, if it's your will, here's my plan today. God, if it's your will, uh, I want to be a better husband. If it's your will, I want to walk into the office. I want to make some calls. I want to go to this city or that city. And if I go to this city and that city and I work there for a year or so, God, I want you to bless me in that space. And God is blessing me. Here's what I want you to do. Make me wildly successful. Not so I can tear down my barns and build bigger ones, but so I can bless other people. Does that make sense? See, he's not saying don't work hard. He's not saying don't make plans. He's not saying don't focus on today and tomorrow. What he is saying is, man, when you wake up in the morning, we need to look to God and say, God, man, whatever I have today, I give it to you. Whatever I do today, I give it to you. And however you bless me, God, I'm not going to use it on me. I'm going to use it on my community. I'm going to use it on my family. I'm going to use it on others. I'm going I'm to bless my employees. And so I love what James is saying. He's not saying leave here with some sort of meandering, unfocused life. He's saying, as a matter of fact, live it way more focused than you ever have before. By saying this, God, as I go to work, as I spend time with my family, as I hang out with the guys, whatever it is, I'm going to give you the glory. If you give me another day, I'm going to use it for your glory, God. If you give me another week, I'm going to use it for your glory, God. If you give me another month, I'm going to use it for your glory, God. If you give me another year, God, I'm going to use it for your glory. If you bless me in my business, I'm going to use it for your glory. That's exactly what, now look at it again. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, I've also known Christians on the other end of the spectrum that they live in the if for far too long, right? Anybody know anybody like that? That it's just kind of they're, they're so worried about missing God's will that they almost do nothing. Man, I don't know whether God wants me to go to work for this company or that company. I don't know if God wants me to do this or if God wants me to that, do that. And I just want to tell them sometimes, just because I'm an impatient pastor, I'm saying, here's what I know. God wants you to do one of them, right? I don't care which company you work for, and I really don't think God does either, but he wants you to work for one of them. How many of you know that? That's really pretty clear in Scripture. You know, just, just take a job. If it's the wrong one, change jobs, right? And, and you say, man, you mean, Pastor, I can sit here and pray, and there can be a little if in my life, and I still make a decision? Absolutely. Guys, we live with ifs all the time. How many of you know that? See, I want you to know God is not about. That's part of faith. See, embracing the if in your life is a part of living a faithful life. I will 100% guarantee you that your pastor lives with a lot of ifs in his life. 
Man, y'all don't hear me and you won't hear me much. You'll hear me say this a lot. Very rarely do I feel like Moses walking down from the mountain where God has etched the plans in stone for me. I want you to know that. I, I, it would be real simple if God always did that for me. But there are times that God will put before our staff and our church uh, uh, an option A and an option B, and they both look pretty good, and they both also have some negatives involved. And what do we do in those moments? Man, we get as right as we can with God. We work as hard as we can with God. Then we live out Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Put it up there, Justin. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. So when you're in one of those spaces in life where you're living in an if in life, just do that. Just say, God, at the end of the day, today or tomorrow, I want to honor you. God, at the end of the day, whether it's this city or that city, I want to honor you. God, whether it's whatever business I'm in, whether it's this business or that business, this company, that company, I want to honor you. God, whether I make money or don't make money, God, let's be honest, I want to make money. But if I don't make money, I still want to honor you. That's embracing the if of life. And then once I embrace the if in life, and I've made it very clear to God and everybody around me that in this moment, I want to honor God, then I will tell you guys, we can absolutely embrace Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. You know what? God didn't bring full clarity to everything I'm doing. There's an if in this decision in my life. And guys, okay, embrace the if in your life. And you can be acknowledged, you can acknowledge to other people, man, that, that'll, if you will just from time to time acknowledge there is an if in the choice that you made, it really takes all the pressure off of you. That, you know, you, I had this decision or that decision, here's what I knew, I know I needed to make one of those two decisions. And the worst thing I could do is not making a decision because even not making a decision is making a decision, right? So I embraced the if. I said, God, today or tomorrow, I'm going I'm to follow you. God, whatever business, this city or that city, whatever I do, whether I make money or don't make money, I'm going to honor you. Then it says, I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. God, you know my heart. My heart is to honor you and glorify you with everything that I do. And I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. God, I hadn't figured it out. But you've got it all figured out. He says, in all my ways, I'm going to submit to him. And I love that last phrase. And he will make your path straight. See, once I do all those other things, it's not my job to make my path straight. It's God's job. Did you notice that? I truly believe that if we will faithfully just say yes to God in whatever we do, that even if I miss a little but my heart is right, God will bring everything back into alignment. Guys, maybe there's some of you that, that if you're honest, you've lived as a practical atheist for a long time. Can I just encourage you to embrace those words of James? Instead, you ought to say, Lord, if it is your will, I will do this or that. 
So maybe some of you today that, that you've thought about that for a long, long time. But today's going to be the first day that you truly embrace it. God, if it's your will, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. God, if it's your will, today and tomorrow, I'm going to honor you. Lord, if it's your will, whether it's this city or that city, I'm going to trust you. God, if it's your will, whether I make money or don't make money, my ultimate goal in life is not to tear down the barns and build bigger ones for me. Because the last thing I want to do is get to the end of my life with my last breath and hear God whisper in my ear and say, you fool. You fool. I gave you kids. I gave you family. I gave you a church. I gave you my son. And you fool. You wasted it. My encouragement to us as men at Cottonwood Creek, we can be foolish from time to time. And y'all will, will join me in that. I can see it in your eyes. But at the end of our days, we're not going to be a bunch of fools. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity to do foolish things as men. Thank you for creating that, putting that in our DNA that, that we're going to be a part of just just crazy things, fun things, powerful things, meaningful things. But at the end of the day, we're going to be men that are not going to hear you whisper in our ears on our very last day, you fool. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.